Good morning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. And this morning I'm going to have some help from my sons to do the reading. Luke chapter 12, let me call up Aiden first. Luke chapter 12. And we'll begin reading at verse 13. Then one one from the crowd said to him, Teachers, tell my brothers to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you. And he said to them, Take heed and beware. Heir of of conviciousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And he spoke okay, parables to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, and build greater than I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years, Take your ease, eat, drink, and be married. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be with you have provided? So is he who laid up treasure for himself and not rich towards God. Verse 22 says, then, his disciples said, or then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Of you... If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God uh, so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven, in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Thank you for that, boys. Appreciate it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. So this morning I want to give you my the main four points before we get into it. I want to highlight to you two warnings we find in this passage and two principles. Okay, two warnings and two principles. The first warning we find in, in verse 15, it says, Take heed and beware of covetousness for once life does not consist in the abundance of things possessed. Very important warning. Warning number two, verse 21. 
so is he, meaning a fool, who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Follow with me? Two warnings, two principles. Second principle found, I mean, sorry, first principle found in verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. And lastly, the last principle, which I'll leave you with, is the last verse we read, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So my goal is to highlight these four main points as we talk through this passage. Now, before I delve into it too far, I want to give you a bit of a context. Where we are in the life of Christ, where we are in the, in the reading of, of the book of Luke, or the gospel according to Luke, I should say. And so, bear with me, look down at your Bible, and I'll highlight some verses for you, just to give us a sense of the circumstances and the context of what we're reading here. So if you turn your page over to chapter 11, and in verse 37, just a few verses, follow with me. This is the context of, of uh, what we're reading here. It says, verse 37, And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. This is the Lord was asked by a Pharisee. So he went in and sat down. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed his hands uh, before dinner. And then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, make the outside of a cup and a dish clean. But in your inward parts, you are full of greed and wickedness. And wickedness. And we'll pause there. So we, we begin to see this scene where the Lord is now in the house of a Pharisee and begins to, to show them the real truth. There are word about the outside and he shows them the inside. Look down a couple verses down, verse 45. Again, this is in the house of the Pharisees and the Pharisees. And here's some lawyers at dinner with him. And it says, then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, teacher, uh, uh, by saying these things, you reproach us also? And then the Lord goes, Woe to you also, lawyers. So I, I, highlight, I highlight these two main verses to say it's not a friendly environment, is it? Not at all. Now, if you look at chapter 12, verse 1, um, actually, go back to the, the last verse, last two verses of chapter 11, just to finish that scene. It says in verse 53, And as he said these things to them, the scribe and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently, and to cross-examine him about many things, lying and waiting for him, and seeking to catch him in something that he may say that they might accuse him. So it went from inviting him to dinner to just an all-out argument brawl, isn't it? And with him are his disciples. I, I, his disciples must be like, oh, Lord, you're really, you're really pushing the buttons here, aren't you? you you're, not, you're not pulling any punches here. You, this guy invites you to this house and you, and you, and you, you hit him hard with a two by four of truth. Verse 12, we see him leave the house. It says, in the meantime, uh, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled on one another. So even outside the house, the, 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 the scene is chaotic. The scene is disorder. The scene is, it's just bad, isn't it? And that is the context in which we find our passage here. There's commotion everywhere. There's people everywhere. People are being stepped on just to hear or see Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers are, 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 are yelling at Him. And there's Jesus with His disciples. 
Now, they're, they're, not to belabor the introduction, but there's two main themes in chapter 12, and I think they're very important themes. The first half, which we're not going to cover, uh, uh, highlights, and, and, it's, and it's the Lord equipping, equipping uh, uh, his, his disciples and warning them. He, he says to, to them in verse 12, says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And the first half of the chapter is to warn disciples, Christians, and to warn the non-disciples too, because it was a mixed crowd. Hey, listen, the hypocrisy of empty religion can destroy you, can destroy you. That was the first, that was the first main warning, but ours is the second half. And and as you probably may have guessed, the the, the main theme of the second half of this chapter, first, hypocrisy, empty religion will destroy you. The second theme is covetousness. Covetousness. Now you may say that those are those are seen kind of be kind of opposite of each other. Not opposite, I should say opposite. They seem to be far apart from each other. Hypocrisy and empty religion is very clear. We, we, we don't like it. We want to see genuineness. But covetousness? I mean, who who here doesn't covet? Who here doesn't doesn't go outside and see a very nice car and go, wow? Must be nice. We all covet, don't we? Yet the Lord would, would, is going to take this, this time to, to show us the, the gravity of covetousness. Check your heart. Be careful with covetousness. And, and, and let me just say this. Think, of, think about the, 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 the last, uh, last four ten, uh, commandments and the Ten Commandments, right? I, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not covet, right? I will pose to you, and I can prove it to you in Scripture, but we don't have time, but thou shalt not murder at its basis, at its foundation, has to do with covetousness. Thou shalt not commit adultery at its foundation, has to do with covetousness. Thou shalt not lie at its basis, has to do with covetousness. So you see, the the, the the sin of covetousness is not something we should look over or gloss over. And so, let's begin into our text. Remember the context. Remember the crowds. Remember what's going on. And the Lord is, is, is teaching those around Him teaching them to, to beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, to, to, to stand firm and to proclaim the Son. And do not deny the Son, because if you deny the Son, He will deny you in heaven. He goes on to... to, to I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself. But he, He's equipping those around Him and, and imparting truth to the crowd. And we pick up our verse 13, and it says, a man in the crowd says, Hey, hey, Lord! Can you tell my brother to, to divide the inheritance with me? Now, I don't know about you, but that bothers me. Number one, because it doesn't make sense. Now, listen, we, we, we all know people. We all know people that, that, that could be in a crowd and, and, and the discussion and the conversation is going this way and they're over here. And when they get a moment, they're just going to blurt out what, they, what they're thinking, right? And, and, and that's That's okay. We should be gracious to one another. We, you know, some of us are, are more annoying than others. It's okay. 
But th- there's something different about this man. Here the Lord is talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the Son, talking about persecution, about, about standing before the Pharisees and, and not relying on your own wisdom. And he says, hey, my brother, uh, I think he's cheating me on the inheritance. And the Lord very quickly corrects him and says, hey, listen, I, man, I, who made me judge and arbiter over your situation? Now, I, I will pause to say, the Lord was considered or called a rabbi, was he not? Right? We, we, we see that in the New Testament in all the four Gospels. Rabbi. Now, it was custom of the rabbis to settle disputes like inheritance dispute. So maybe this guy said, thought, hey, my brother's with me. Here's Jesus. Everybody respects Jesus. Let, let, let me make sure I get my own. But the Lord chose not to give us any more details about this man or, or about the circumstances of his inheritance. He chose to leave that all out, but he chose to highlight the problem with the man. And he says, beware. Warning. Beware. Beware of covetousness. And, and, and listen, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, uh, let me balance that out, right? I'm not saying that if you're owed something, you should just let it go. If someone steals from you and you can get it back, you should you should try to get it back, right? So if this man was owed a certain amount of his inheritance and he's wronged, there's nothing wrong with him getting what he deserves, right? There's nothing wrong with that. What the Lord here is saying, listen, if you chasing after what you think you deserve is nothing but covetousness, maybe you should let it go. It's not about the stuff. It's about your heart towards the stuff that the Lord cares about. And so the Lord says, listen, beware of covetousness for life, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things possessed. Now, I I do want to spend some time in this verse. As it is our first warning and, and Frankly, I believe it's, it's, it's of the greatest application to you and I and in this culture. You've seen it before. I've seen it, right? You see the cars with the bumper stickers, the sign that says, He who has the most toys wins. It's pretty funny. We all look at it and we chuckle. But what is in the heart of that? Covetousness. The, 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 the great American dream, as we know it, is covetousness. Now, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me define covetousness. Because one of the things that, that I was blessed with when, 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 when studying this passage is my understanding of covetousness was not 100% accurate let me explain let me explain myself when when somebody says hey listen you shouldn't covet the answer or my mind would always go to the to the commandments to the old testament listen you shouldn't covet your neighbor's wife you shouldn't covet your neighbor's house right it's it's this idea of desiring something that's outside of you desiring the things around you now i know you're looking at me like where are you going with this 
I ask you, the Lord you then took the time to give us this parable of a rich fool. To talk to us about covetousness. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The story of the rich fool was a, a rich man. Doesn't give us how he got his riches, but he was a rich man. He had a field. The field was plentiful. It doesn't say that he extorted the money. It doesn't say he, he stole from somebody else's field. It says he had a field and it was plentiful. And he gathered all his crops and he said, huh, I have too much grain. Where do I put it? Now, you tell me where's covetous in that. Where does this man go wrong? Where is covetousness in all this? Did, did, did he look at his neighbor's field and say, oh, that's a nice field. I'm thinking I'm going to steal it. Are you confused? I was. So what is covetousness? Listen. Yes, covetousness is when you desire the things of others, the things outside of you. But you know that hoarding your own things, your own possessions, the things which God gives you is covetousness. Now you say, oh, come on. I, listen, I, I work very hard. You're right. I, I, listen, I work very hard. I work a lot of hours. And when that paycheck comes in, listen, I work for every single bit of that paycheck. But you know the difference is? God gave me that job. God gave me the breath to do the job. God gave me the mind and the intellect to do the job. God blessed me with the job. The job is His. I am His. The paycheck is His. Now, do we look at our paycheck and say, Oh, I'm going to do a lot with this paycheck. It's my paycheck. Listen, that's what I do. That's what we all do. Listen, brother, sister, it, it it was, my mind was blown when it came to this. Oh, have I gotten it wrong so many years. Lord, forgive me. It's not about me looking outside. It's about looking what you've given me, Lord, and realizing it's not mine for me to do what I want with it, but to turn to you and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with it? It's yours. It's yours. Do you see covetousness? It's far more than desiring nice things that you can't have. Covetousness is squandering the things that God blesses you with. The parable. As as I've already said, I want to highlight it. The man did nothing wrong until he began to make plans of what to do with what God had given him. And, and, it's, and it's actually kind of obvious in the verses. If, if you look, let me just read it, and I think, you, I think you'll hear what the problem is. If you look down, look at your Bibles. We'll begin reading at verse 17. And he, and he said, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods to laid up, uh, laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat 
and drink and be merry. What, what's the problem? He has an eye problem. He has an eye problem. Now, we chuckle, but, but let's, let's be honest. I'm no different than this guy. Listen, come February, I, I get my bonus. Hmm. I already have plans for that bonus. Do you know that? How, how am I any different than this guy? How, how, how are you any different? Is our heart truly that wicked? Mine is. I'll be completely frank with you. I understand the truth. I understand that it all belongs to God, but why do I not live like it all belongs to Him? This, 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 rich young, uh, this rich fool, foolish farmer, made two grave mistakes. Two grave mistakes I want to highlight, and, and then we'll move on to the second warning. Number one, he thought he had control or he owned his own life. Because the Lord says, hey, hey, listen, you're a fool. You're a fool. You, you, do, you toil and you do all this labor and you plan and you plan and you say, oh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to travel. I'm going to see the world. You're a fool. For this night, your soul is required. This night, your soul is required. Listen, saints and friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, listen, we're not promised the next moment. We're not promised the next breath. Life is frail. And that's just the reality of it. The question is, what are you going to do with the life God gives you now? Are you going to live it for yourself? Squandering it? Making plans for whatever you want? Or are you going to be a good steward of it? Secondly, the second mistake this man made was that he did all this work and he wasn't going to enjoy a single grain of it. It was all going to someone else. He destroyed his barns, made bigger barns, and he, and he filled it with all his grain and his stuff, by the way. Did you guys catch that? He said, I will fill it with my crops and my stuff. So listen, he probably had, had, had a couple of those uh, self-storages, you know, a couple of those units. And he just filled it with all his junk he couldn't fit in his, in his garage and in his house. I mean, that's a whole other sermon there, but, but you drive by those self-storage places, it really does speak to the heart of this nation, doesn't it? We have so much possession, so much junk that we paid to store it somewhere. And so I come to the second warning. I come to the second warning. The Lord says, so is he. Take those two words, remove them, and put a fool. A fool is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, let me, let me try to balance that a little bit. 
Am I saying that, or is the Bible saying that, that we should not have a savings account, that you should not have a retirement plan, that you shouldn't look towards the future? No, that's not what it's saying. In fact, the scripture is very clear concerning finances and how you should conduct yourself with your finances. You should be wise. You're a steward of the finances, right? Uh, think of, of, of the, the parable of the, of the man with talents. He gave one, one talent, one, two talents, one, three talents, and they were to, to take this talent and invest it and duplicate it and make more of it. And the Lord calls us to do the same thing. So it's not saying for us to, 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 to throw it all out and, and caution to the wind and not plan and not be wise about what the Lord gives us. That's not what it's saying. So what is it saying? It comes down to how or what your heart feels about the possession the Lord gives you. The reality is that, listen, you have a bank account, you can have a savings account, you can have a 401k, a retirement plan, a pension, whatever it is. Listen, if the Lord were, were, were to tell you today, say, hey, um, Jamal, I need you to empty out your 401k. Because I have a work that needs to be funded. Would I do it? I'll be honest with you, that would be a very difficult thing. I, I you know, that, that, that four, I say, Lord, but that, that 401k, that, that's been almost 20 years I've been working on that thing. It started incredibly small and, and tiny, and the markets went up and down, and it fluctuated. And, oh, Lord, do you really... But, but that, that, what am I going to do when I... Is it mine or is it the Lord's? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. I, 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 and so what, what I'm trying to get you to understand, and, and I went through this exercise on my own as I was looking and, and meditating upon these things. Listen, it's, a, it's an attitude towards the things that God made you stewards over. There's nothing wrong with them. The problem is when they become an idol to you. The problem is when, when they become more important than what God wants you to do with them. And then you become a fool. An absolute fool, the Lord calls you. The Lord then shifts a little bit. You know, because this whole concept of covetousness and everything that we have belongs to Him. And you begin to digest it, just like we are this morning, and saying, everything I have belongs to the Lord. Even the stuff that I tend to lean on and put my trust in. And you say, well, well Lord, if I were to give everything in my 401k and I were to empty my savings account, Lord, Lord, how would I feed my wife and my children if something happens? What if somebody gets hurt and there's a, there's a medical expense that I'm not ready for, Lord? Right? It's, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we're just logically thinking through it. And the Lord says, to, hey, listen, I, I can see that you're going to start to worry, aren't you? You're going to start to worry. And, and so he, this next section, he says, listen, I, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to worry. And, and he gives them two, two pictures to quench that worry, that anxiety. Listen, and I, I don't know if any of you have ever lived paycheck to paycheck or, 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 or really have lived on the edge financially. I have. And it could be nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking. I, I did it many times in, in my life. But I will tell you this. 
In my faithlessness, the Lord was always found to be true. Was always found to provide. Even though my heart was in the right place, even though I, I didn't quite enter into His blessing of it, now I look back and I see His hand. I see His providence. I see His provision. He's always there. And so when he begins, listen, he, he, deal, he begins to deal with the, the, the basic necessities of life. What is the basic necessities of life? Well, it's food and clothes. And, and, and that encompasses everything, doesn't it? Food, we need food to sustain life. We need clothing to stay warm and not freeze to death or, or, or sweat to death in, in South Florida. But it's the basic fundamentals of life. And the Lord says, hey, listen, I want you, I'm going to give you two examples. He says, listen, look at the ravens. The ravens, they don't, they don't go and, and, and plant fields of crops and they don't harvest and they don't have storehouses. They don't have barns. And yet they eat, don't they? Now, let me balance that out real quick. Okay? Is the Lord saying that we don't have to work to eat? That, you know, the Lord takes care of the ravens. He's going to take care of me. I'm going to sit at home and watch TV. And uh, a sandwich is going to fall out of, out of the ceiling and I'm going to eat it. No, that's not, that's not what it's saying. In fact, let, let's continue with the, with the thought of a raven. Yes, the Lord provides for the ravens. But the ravens have to look and forage for the food, doesn't he? But you see, our, our, our benevolent God makes enough food that all the ravens on all the earth have enough food to eat for the day. That's a marvelous thought. The ravens don't have to think about the next day. They don't have to think about next week. They just worry about today. And, 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 and scurrying around and, and foraging enough to find food. And God takes care of them. And so will you. Now, let me balance that a little bit too. Continue to balance that. That's just a raven. Well, let's look at a squirrel. Look at a squirrel. Now, does a, does a squirrel, is the squirrel like the raven? Well, no. You see, you've seen videos on YouTube of the squirrels. They keep shoving all those nuts in their mouths and their, their cheeks are huge. And, and, and they, they take these huge cheeks of food and they scurry them into a hole and they, they, they what? They, they put them in a barn. Now, now, now those squirrels, those squirrels have no faith in the Lord, don't they? No. Again, I bring this to point this out. Listen. God made the ravens with a certain specific type of instinct, and that's what the ravens do. And God provides for the ravens in their nature. And then God made the squirrels. And God made them to to forage and to collect. And God provides for the squirrels. And so I will say what Jesus said to them, if God cares for the ravens and the squirrels, how much will He care for you? So, so, so you're telling me that if, if the Lord asked me to give up everything I have today, all my material goods, my bank accounts, my 401k, and I gave it all to the Lord, can God take care of me? Yes. It's a resounding yes. It's a resounding yes. I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it, 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 it's, it's, I'm not, listen, God is good. There's no doubt about that. God is good. He will take care of you. The second example he gives, and I'm running out of time, the second example he gives is of the lilies. 
you know, I, I picture the, 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 the weeds that flower in my lawn. My wife hates them. I don't mind them so much. But they'll spring up. They'll spring up and they'll flower. And they're there. I mean, I think they're kind of pretty, but she doesn't like them. But anyway, that's besides the point. They're there. And they have a very short lifespan. And, and if you were, listen, if you were to take one of these little flowers and you used to pluck them, I, I remember little, little, little Levi used to always pick them and hand them to my wife or hand them to his mom. It was very sweet. And you look at these little flowers. They're simple little flowers, but when you really look at them, the complexity of them, the beauty of them, it's amazing. And yet it's in a weed, something that we don't try to grow. But the Lord does. The Lord cares for the lilies. The Lord cares for these little flowering plants. And he, and he causes them to bloom. Even though, hey, listen, when that, when that summer sun comes out and scorches my grass crispy, it dies and it's gone. So if the Lord takes the time to fabricate and to place these little lilies, these little flowers in my law, can he not take care of you and your needs? Yes, of course. How much greater are you than a lily? Than, 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 I'm sorry, lily's not, lily's not here. Okay, good. <laughs> How much greater are you than a little flower? You're far greater. Far more important. Now, I, I, let me highlight this. Because when I was younger, I used to think this, well, you know, if, if I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord for my clothing. I may end up looking like John the Baptist in, in, in camel's clothes. But look at the example he gives. He says these lilies are they're, they're arrayed in such a form that even Solomon in all his glory could not compare. Now, what, what I'm suggesting to you, listen, when you trust God, it doesn't mean you're going to have to wear, you know, khakis all the time and whatever, whatever utilitarian type of clothes you could think of. The Lord's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you with it. Whatever it is. It's not going to be the worst. It's, it may not be, you may not be Chanel. But He will bless you. And He will take care of you. Now, I belabor those two points. What boils down to the, is this. And He ends that section with this. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. If we really had a proper perspective of who God is in our lives and with our stuff, why do we worry? Why do we fret? Why do we, why are we anxious about food and finances and what's, what if the market crashes and this and that? Listen, whether we're in a recession, a depression, or we're, we have a bull market. God is still God, isn't he? God is still God. Let's move quickly to our two principles. The Lord says, O ye of little faith, don't be like the nations around you. Don't be like the world. Listen, we're only highlighting you know, clothing and food, but, but anything and everything all the, all the things that this world grasps for, the possessions, the, the toys, the trinkets, it, it, it's, it's emptiness 
Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. There's nothing new under the sun. You're, you're, you're wasting your time. And yet, sadly, believers are just very glad to stand behind the train of stuff and just, I got to get the next iPhone. I got to get the next thing. I got to get the next thing. Yes, yes, yes. It's emptiness. It's foolishness. The Lord says, hey, listen, I, I want you to understand this. You work, you get paid. You get paid, you buy food, you sustain life. But do I work for the money to get the food? That, that's, that's what everybody does. That's, that's, what, if, if, that's what everybody in my office does. They show up, they work, they toil to get the paycheck so they can go buy the Harley Davidson. And, and, and that, that's it. it. It's just this big circle. They work, they get paid, they go spend it. They go get... That's not what believers should be. We work. We get paid. What do we do with it, Lord? Now, I do want to be clear. The Lord does say, hey, go buy food for your family. You go pay your mortgage. You pay for the electric bill. You pay for the water bill. And I say, Lord, can I buy myself a Corvette? With your income, not a chance. But I want one, Lord. There's far greater need. There's far greater purposes. Seek the kingdom of God and these things shall be added to you. Now, let me me clarify that. I'm not giving you a prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you, hey, listen, if you you believe in God, read your Bible and pray every day, oh, the blessings are just going to flow. That, that's, not, that's not a correct statement. That, that's heresy. The Lord says He will add them to you. What is He going to add? Well, listen, he's, He knows your need. He says in the previous verse, listen, the, our Heavenly Father knows that you need of them. He knows you need food. He knows you need clothing. He knows you need shelter. You just have to trust Him for it. Just because you trust the Lord, and I do want to be clear on this point, just because you trust the Lord and you seek the kingdom of God does not mean blessings, all blessings all the time. Prosperity, prosperity all the time. Just look at the apostles. Look at the apostle Paul. Shipwrecked many times. Went hungry many times. But he would say, hey, listen, I found the secret. You know what the secret is? To be content. Whether... In plenty or in hunger. Well, but isn't he seeking the kingdom of God? Well, yeah. Well, maybe God, God wants you to be hungry for a little bit. It won't hurt some of us. <laughs> Seek the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added. We say it. We understand it, but do we believe it? And, and, and I say this to myself as well. Don't ever think I'm preaching down to you because it's, this is striking to my heart more than, than it is to you. I guarantee you that. Because I, I understand the truth. I've read it before. I, I, I know my God is good. I know He's proven Himself to me over and over again. And yet my heart wanders away. 
And we forget the truth that He knows what our needs are. He is faithful. Now, I want to leave you this last point here, this last little section. It's a beautiful section. Look, look at verse 32. I, I love the, the verbiage of it, the way the Holy Spirit puts it. He says, do not fear. You know, it's one thing to worry about what we're going to eat and, and what we're going to wear. If, if all, it all belongs to the Lord, the Lord can take all of it in this moment. Lord, yes, we're going to worry about these certain things. But then he goes on a little step further. Hey, listen, listen, I, I don't want you to be fearful either. And look at look at what he calls his disciples. Little flock. It's a beautiful, endearing term, little flock. But I want to, what I want to highlight from that from that mental picture that you have in your mind right now is that a little flock of sheep are dumb and helpless. They're dumb and helpless and can do nothing on their own with accept the help of the great shepherd. So all these things we're talking about, money and covetousness and possessions and, 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 and relinquishing, giving them to the Lord and trusting the Lord. Hey, listen, God knows who you are. God understands what you're capable of. And without God, you can do nothing. Without God, you can do absolutely nothing. But here's what the Lord says. Hey, hey, listen, do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We read verses like this. Lord, forgive us. We read verses like this and we mentally understand it. And we say, wow. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? That that the King of kings and Lord of lords has, has... made sinners, made wretched people, his sons and daughters, and he's made them to inherit the kingdom. But do we live it? Does it go from our mind to, you know, what is it, like 8, 10 inches or 12 inches, whatever, to your heart? To understand that the God who, who owns it all, why do we doubt when it comes to simple temporal things? I, I, I didn't highlight it, but, but he says, hey, listen, which of you by worrying can, can add a cubit to his stature? Th- that, that phrase is not so much about height. It's more about length of days. Think about this. The Lord knows your days. He knows them. It's appointed uh, for, for men once to die and then comes the judgment. Listen, you, you, your, your expiration date is already set. I, I'm, if you didn't know that, I'm sorry. Whether you live 50, 91, or beyond, the Lord already knows. And I, and I will tell you this, no amount of toiling and worry can add a single second to it. No amount of, of, of planning, of dieting, exercising is going to add. Now, let me, let me clarify that. We're not to just go ahead and pig out and do whatever we want, right? Yes, our days are numbered, but the quality of those days are in your control. So there's a difference. But the Lord knows what they are. 
And, and, and we should be steward of those days as we are stewards of our possessions, as we're stewards of our time. We should be stewards of those days for the kingdom, for His purposes. Are we going to be a fool and be hoarding stuff and riches for ourselves and be poor towards God? Or are we going to take what we have, what's been stewarded to us, and use it for His kingdom and His glory? Now you may say, well, how, how, how do we do that? How, how, do we, how, do we steward, how, how do we steward our time and our finances for the glory of the Lord? I, I, can, I can give you a list of stuff to do, but it wouldn't make a difference. It's a matter of your heart. I started talking to you about the motives and the motives of your heart. The Lord ends this portion with, the, it's a matter of the heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, if our hope and joy is found upon this earth, that's where our heart's going to be. But if our hope is in heaven, our hope is in the, in the person of Jesus Christ who, who does so much for us, who loves us so well, who takes care of us, and, and, and we live day by day, moment by moment, like, like those little birds. They live moment by moment. Never looking for, for, to the next day, looking for the next seed to eat and trusting the living God, their creator, for it. But if we live in such a form, in such a fashion, with our hearts in heaven, not on here on earth, then that warning in verse 21 will be reversed, isn't it? For the things that we treasure, if they're in heaven, he would go on to say, hey, listen, you trade what you have for a coin purse that doesn't get holes in it, or a wallet that can't get lost, or a purse that can't get a hole in it. Where, 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 where nobody can steal it, where, where it doesn't devalue, where a, a bear market doesn't affect its value. It's a matter of the heart. So, brothers and sisters, I, I leave you this morning and ask you, examine your heart. I, 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 I examined my heart and I will continue to examine my heart. I, I have to say, Lord, maybe even day by day, Lord, Lord, here's what I have. Here's what you've given me. It belongs to you. Keep my grubby hands off of it. And don't let me look down at my stuff and forget you. And so I exhort you this morning. Beware of covetousness. Let us pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are a, a patient and gracious God. Lord, as I look back on my life, how you have graciously have been there when I, I, I stubbornly did my own thing. Yes, it's taken 39 years, but yet you're still teaching me. You're still refining my thinking. You're still showing me where I've gone wrong. Lord, help us to be a people humble to receive your word and to act upon it. For you know what our needs are. You are a good God. 
worthy to be trusted. Lord, help us in all these things. I ask in your Son's precious name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.